0: Good evening, folks. Coming to you live from the 215 here in Germantown, you are listening to the award winning InfoHub Hour with Rashi Jamu, aka Philly's Freedom Join. The InfoHub Hour is all about news and engagement in Germantown. Check out what's going on by visiting our website at germantowninfohub.org. Now let's dive into our conversation. We spent a lot of time thinking and talking about Germantown and we keep learning every day, but it's always interesting to hear what someone else notices, especially a young person. Today, we are going to hear four audio stories produced by students at Temple University. They worked in groups to interview people from the community. I am one of the people, but let's get started with Douglas Rucker's story. Rucker speaks about his new play, Yo Put the Gun Down, an exciting story about his creative process. After that, we will hear from Howard Bailey who talks about the need for solutions in our communities and how he's a part of that.
1: We sat down with Douglas Bernard Rucker, Germantown native and community activist who's recently gone back to college to discuss the upcoming hip hop symphony, which he wrote and directed, Yo Put the Gun Down.
2: So I've been in Germantown since like 1968. It was different here. It was great memories of this community when they branched off and went to Catholic school in the mornings and we went to public school. Well, after school was over, we all meet back in the neighborhood and it was different than what gender gentrification defines now for us. Mm -hmm. We were just, you know, that was very interesting uh, because that's a topic that we're dealing with in my community is uh, gentrification.
1: What was your inspiration for working in the theater arts world?
2: We was awarded a $20,000 grant. And I said, what am I going to do with this grant? And at that time, I, I had left theater completely alone for at least the last 10 years. I really didn't want to bother with it. And uh, so I was going to do this thing virtually. And then the, the, the gun violence that has taken place in Philadelphia, especially mm-hmm. amongst our our, our African-American uh, youth. It really had an impact on me. I lost a nephew to gun violence. Nevertheless, I had to look within me, what was I gonna do with this $20,000? I was gonna try to do this thing virtual. I kept looking at what was happening in, in Broadway because I measure everything off of Broadway. And when Broadway started opening, I said, I know what we're gonna do. I'm gonna write this piece, just, to, just a structure because it's gonna take these children uh, these young adults with your age and a little older to make this happen and because I have no, um, I'm two generations removed from the hip hop culture. So I, I wrote this, this structure for this piece and to involve them to bring their hip hop, to bring their hip hop dance, their stories, their songs, to do this piece that we call uh, Yo, Put the Gun Down, a hip hop symphony. So it is a collaborator, a collaboration of myself and the young kids. And I been so fortunate to get it from all over Philadelphia. And our first rehearsal will be this Saturday at um, the 11th at 1 to 5 p.m. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was not a mistake because I really enjoy working with the young people. They brought a little spark to an old man. And so I'm, I'm happy about that. I learned about Cardi B. <laughs> I, I was calling the B Cardi. He taught me that. We got a scene in there. <laughs>
1: Now that we've gotten your introduction to this industry, do you think you can describe the work you have done as the executive producer
2: of The Chew? For this specific project, Yo Put the Gun Down, a hip hop symphony, I'm a playwright and and director. It's like two different things. My concern really is about trying to uplift my community. I do not believe in that word "giving back." I, I I really don't like it. I'm trying to give forward. I think when you give back, a person stays there and wait for you to give. But if you give forward, then they got to move with you to get it. So I always use the terminology "giving forward," and um, and I think that with education and and a lot and I do a lot of social work. Honestly, I never thought I would ever. I should be a social worker. But community development involves social work. I have to meet people at their levels, you know. I have to meet people and understand them for who they are. And so God keeps me humble, also remembering where I've been in my life, you know. And so with that, it helps to engage them. The community has to be engaged if they want to resolve a problem. It cannot be done by one person.
1: So speaking of your play, um, Yo Put the Gun Down, what was the inspiration behind the play and like, who is the target audience for?
2: The inspiration to this piece, it really wasn't inspired. It was something that I had to do. And what I had to do was when I approached it, I approached it as a community developer trying to address an issue that was impactful to me. Into this entire community. Because these are young 14 and 15 year old kids killing each other. And I don't know why. And I don't think none of us understand why. And they just so happen to be predominantly Black. Working on it uh, from a community developer perspective, I became depressed. Uh, because as I'm jotting down something or typing something, the next thing I know, either it's a gunshot that I hear. Or I turn it on the news, and here's a little fourteen-year-old boy who's gunned down. So what inspired me is that I had to reach into myself and identify that Douglas, you are a creative person, and you gotta approach this thing from a creative perspective. In other words, you gotta do this show. Our music director Jean Savant is a physician at Chops. And he says, uh, when we first met, he said, I'm a white guy. I said, and what do that got to do with it? And then, um, you know, he knows raps, he plays five instruments. To understand the impactfulness of gun violence, it does not have a color of how you feel about it, you know? That's what made me get back into it. In this program, who will be the performers
3: and what will the performances be focused on?
2: I was able through, the, through our casting director, her name is Sade, uh, Sade uh to get kids and young adults. We mostly have, well, we have young adults. But I was able to get from all over the city, from North Philly, from West Philly, Frankfurt, from Germantown, to converge on this piece. So, again, I'm not, I'm, I just had provided the bare bones. And it is up to them to build the the anatomy and all that it takes is their voice, their songs, their story, their hip hop culture, which will bring into being living theater. That's that's the philosophy. Without them, this play would never happen. So I often, we also are paying them because I believe that everybody should be paid. So um, a lot of it's 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 just is what they brought in. My job is to direct it, to block it, and to stage it. I've given them all the the responsibility and freedom to do exactly what they need to do to make this happen. This is actually a symphony, um, meaning that everything symphonies meaning sounding together, this is a symphony because they are, they have become living instruments as in an orchestra from the hip-hop dance, just listen to the feats, uh, spoken word with the rhythm, the songs, the added, so it's a a symphony, and yes, I would love to take it all over the daggone world if I could, so... I just want you to go to school and, and get your education. I don't have no regrets that I'm going back to school at 59 to get my degree because I'm going to get it. I'll probably be sending you tickets to come and cheer me on when I'm walking down the aisle. But it is important to try to find yourself. This is the time of your life. My mother once told me that when I, was, when I went to college and then I dropped out. Try not to drop out, be, um, be really, really careful you're surrounded and who you associate yourself with in college and strive to be the person that you are. You, you're meant to be, everybody has a story to tell that your story be that of triumph and not tragedy and just be the best that you can. And if you can do that for me, I'm the happiest man in the world. And I thank you for letting me be on this uh, program. Looking forward to seeing you at the show. Mm-hmm. All right. And as I always say, you have a tall day.
1: That was Douglas Bernard Rucker on his upcoming hip-hop symphony, Yo, Put the Gun Down, which is set to debut November 5th and 6th. Tickets for the show can be purchased at flipcause.com.
4: Hello, everyone. I'm Luisa Suarez.
3: And I'm Alexis Beckett. And this is Philly Voices from Temple University.
4: Okay Alexis, so today we're talking with Howard Bailey, a consultant in Germantown Philadelphia who's really interested in developing a community response to what he believes is an incoming breakdown in our current economy.
3: Yeah Louisa, you know, talking to him and hearing about his journey, it really made me question, you know, what is, what is freedom? Well, what, how would you describe freedom?
4: I don't know, that's like, that's a hefty question, right? Like we have our personal freedom, but I think one thing we really talk about here is financial freedom right having that in your back pocket having that financial freedom and really being able to live life and living in your community the way you want to
3: absolutely you know howard really gets into that you know with the idea that we can successfully fight the system and develop a stronger community but you know only if we really fight for it but enough from us let's really get into the interview hi how are you today i'm fine Doing good. All right. So I think um, for everybody, for the listeners, I think it would be best if you could start out explaining to us um, a little bit about your
5: work and what you do. Okay. I am um, a consultant here in Germantown, and I'm really interested in developing our response to local economy and the things that are required to get through this transition period, which I think we are in already and it will become more pronounced.
4: So Howard, tell me a little bit, you know, more about what this transition period means to you. Like, is it regarding COVID-19? Like what what exactly is, you know, the transition?
5: Okay, I wanna keep this positive. I think there's a breakdown in the current system. So I think we're gonna have supply chain uh, difficulties, the point is either you're prepared for what's coming or you're not so i think in order to do that we have to answer four basic questions where where have we been where are we now where are we going and more importantly how we will get there and if we don't have the answer to those four basic questions i truly believe that we're lost and i don't want to be lost i think that people are in strong denial at this point, and that we have to come up with a plan of action. Most people I talk to are in stru- such strong denial that they just don't want to deal with it. Don't bring me any bad news. And I'm I'm telling you the tr- truth. I'm not in a doom and gloom scenario. I think this stuff has happened many times in the past. The the course of action is almost the same. So, I don't want to start talking about esoteric things. It's difficult to come up with the spiritual parts of it and all the other items. So, I think that it's a continuum, and that I think we all have to function on covering off on the basics first. Once we have that in place, or as we're getting that in place, that gives us an opportunity to have the staying power to get through this nonsense. But I really don't trust the, quote, leaders, unquote. I think that there's a hidden agenda here of ignorance or just maliciousness. And so I really believe that if we don't help ourselves, who will?
3: I think we all, you know, can feel your passion for the subject. And I believe, now correct me if I'm wrong, I believe a lot of your passion comes from being a longtime resident of Germantown. Would you be able to explain to us a little bit about what being a resident there for so long has been like for you?
5: Yes. I state to myself mainly So I find this whole part slightly uncomfortable because I tend to be a loner, even though people would say no. And it's been a beautiful experience. I mean, I like Germantown. I love it, as a matter of fact.
4: What does it look like trying to work with the community to prepare uh, financially for what may come and for this transitional period? Like, how does that look like an application, essentially, is my question.
5: I, I think that what I'm doing is working primarily with people I've had experience with who are finally at the stage where they have a sense of of things are not right right now and they're looking for solutions. Most people don't have it because we've never had to live in under these kind of conditions. What happens is that we do a lot of talking and people get into conversations, and then they'll have a meeting to plan another meeting. And that's really unproductive. We have to be more solution-oriented. And what does that mean? You know, what, what are your alternatives? How do you have the ability to provide your food, clothing, and shelter? You know, the basic kind of things, questions. It's not sexy. It's not People don't even want to think about this stuff. It's very low on the priority list. I think that we're out of time. But if we act proactively, we have all the time in the world because this is the way things are going to shift. The old system, I think, is broken. So I find that I do not want to rely on politicians, even though they have a place in the scheme of things. I find that they act too little, too late but I think that collectively we can come up with something that benefits all of us. Fortunately, I see an awakening occurring. People are very conscious of things are not right and that they're gonna have to come up with alternatives on how to do this.
3: Absolutely, now you talked a little bit about you know, not trying to convince anybody, but like you said, you can't do, you know, things can't be done with one individual. Um, nope. What group, if um, if there is a group or just certain individuals that you think have been most receptive to your message and really agree with, you, you know, the work that
5: you're doing? The Info Hub has been very supportive. I'm very encouraged by that. So I like to focus on individuals who are receptive to this, who are influence centers, and they can go back to their particular groups and we can be supportive of each other.
3: You are giving us great information.
4: Yeah, actually, you know, I wanted to ask you, you have such a passion, right, for this and for helping the community and making sure that they're okay through this transitional period and like, you know, being self-sufficient and all of that. And I wanted to ask you, how did, you know, b- you become so passionate about this, right? Like, what are some, back, you know, some information on how you became so passionate? Like, what steps did you take towards, you know, really connecting with the community and like starting your work towards this? <laughs>
5: I've been at this longer than you were before you were born. The thing is that I graduated from high school when I was 15, went off to college, I've been in the army, I've been in uh corporate America, and I looked up and I said, this is not this is not what I want to do. This is not what I want to be. So then I switched over to being a servant. I've been around this enough to know that the model that we are operating against is not for me. I mean, it might be for everybody else, but I lost, I was losing my humanity and I didn't want to do that. So then I started looking for, how can we compensate for this? I think we have the answers to get through this, Of
4: course. And you know, I think this idea of seeking freedom is a very powerful one. So I kind of wanted to ask you, like, are you still on this journey of like seeking freedom? Or like, do you think like you are free, like you've reached that freedom? And I guess I also wanted to ask you, like, what does that freedom mean to you? Like, is it finding your humanity?
5: You know, the thing about this kind of stuff is the very act of defining things taints it. And so, I'm wide open. I don't want to put pigeonhole it and say, this is the way to do it. It's the only way. I'm responsive to my environment, people around me. We're working on this collectively. And it will not be a lot of people. It will be only a handful of us that actually find a path that actually works. You asked me the question, am I free yet? No, I am not. I will be because I'm going to help others find their freedom. And by doing that, I have found my own time is of the essence right now, because I think that the system is imploding and I might be wrong on that because you can't believe any of the stuff that you're hearing right now.
3: Absolutely. And I think you've given us a lot of great information and you've, you've just expressed, you um, the urgency of the essence of time um, if there was one thing um, that you had to also emphasize that you could leave with the listeners stop
5: talking about this stuff and do it
3: absolutely and thank you so much for your time and helping us out um, today thank you on behalf of (laughs) the rest of us
4: thank you so much for like taking your time and like speaking with us we really really appreciate it this has been a very informative and amazing conversation
5: let's continue the journey thank you
4: thank you for listening everyone and thank you howard for sharing your thoughts
3: with us until next time on philly voices with temple university
0: now you'll hear from me as i speak about my experiences with organizing in the neighborhood Like Howard, I always seek to find solutions. And with that philosophy, projects like Freedom Join and the MILF Project were born. Following me we will close with co-owners of the Imperfect Art Gallery, Rennie Molinar and Rocio Cabello, who speak about the space. They speak about its importance and why it's important that they share this space with the community and the people.
1: Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mary Sucrow. And my name is Serena Mam. And welcome to our podcast. On today's episode, we're bringing on a very special guest named Rashid Ojamu. He's a reporter for the Germantown Info Hub. Rashid was born and raised in the area and has successfully made positive impacts in Philadelphia.
6: Rashid Ajamu is also a co-organizer for the MILF Project, Mom I'd Like to Fund, and has won an award for the Freedom John Social Media Hub.
1: Rashid, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on our podcast. We really appreciate you doing. So could you tell us more about how you started the MILF Project and why you want to help Black mothers in Philadelphia?
0: Um, well, yeah, that's really easy. So um, I'm partnered with Pusti. Which is essentially a holistic feminine wellness brand, actually started by another neighbor here in Germantown. Her name is Asia. And she came to me because she wanted to put together some kind of fund or some kind of drive for mothers in need. So she came to me, wanted to know how that could look like with my organizing background. And so I essentially just went over everything, kind of thought about some stuff and where she and I and our values align. And so a lot of, one of the biggest things that we cater to is black women. And so I was raised by a, well, a black grandmother. So sort of like a single black mother and she's a black mother and she's also a uh, not a doula. What's the other one? Oh no, she has a doula, she's a doula. And so she does a lot of help with overall new mothers, mothers who are you know, whose children may be older, And so that's kind of where we came to that conclusion that we wanted to kind of help Black mothers, especially since it's a pandemic. And of course, people aren't able to really pay their bills. They're a little bit behind on things like rent utilities. And so that just seemed like the best bet for us.
6: That sounds great. Um, So why would you think that Black mothers don't get as much support in the system to support the motherhood and take care of their families?
0: Well, I think that that is both a racial and gender, you know, question. I think overall women in general don't get the support that they deserve because they are born and socialized to believe that they're supposed to be caretakers before anything. And that this is supposed to be something called that maternal instinct, right? And something that all women are supposed to be born with. And that's not the case. No matter who you are, when you're a parent, you need help, right? Mm -hmm. That idea that it takes a village is truly one that's real.
1: So how much have you raised so far with the fundraisers? And can you explain exactly where people's donations will be going?
0: Yes, I can absolutely do that. So our goal was $10,000. And we actually got to $10,202. So we're actually surpassed our goal. And we just surpassed that goal last week. I actually went on to go post about it. Actually, no, we, we passed it at the beginning of this week. I went to go post about it. And I checked the last time I had checked was the Friday, last Friday. And last Friday we were at about 8,000 and something. So the crowdfund and overall donations from people has been kind of moving slow. So in my head, we still had somewhere to go. I go up on GoFundMe after I already posted it on Instagram and we were $202 past our goal. So I ended up taking it back down and having to essentially you know, go and make a graphic and say a thank you to everybody. But the money will be used to essentially give 50 Black mothers $200 to do whatever it is they'd like How to do. How
1: do you kind of select these mothers? Do you guys have a process of applications at all?
0: so we had a google form so what happened was i was monitoring this google form for about a week before all the slots filled up and so we don't necessarily choose anybody we just let them sign up and it's first come first serve however we still are collecting donations and depending on how much more money we get we are going to expand that because we do have a little bit over 50 on the sign up list right so that means everybody isn't going to get it which is unfortunate so we still do have the GoFundMe open and still available to get whatever extra money people want to give. And that will be distributed that way.
6: How else can people contribute to the MILF project if they don't have monetary funds to necessarily give? Oh, yeah, of
0: course. So one of the other things we're doing is peer support. So we have a list of things that people could possibly offer, you know, so things like hand me downs from their own children, maybe a service that they um, want to contribute to like the mother's. As far as a form of donation, not necessarily having them pay, um, and just different things they can sign up for, and that is also on the link that we provide, which is usually linktr. ee-milf project, and there will be multiple tabs that you can choose from on how to support the milf project. So right now, like I said, the sign up process is actually finished, so it's just ways to support on that link.
6: Have you and your and empathy- thought of ways how you would keep this going if you would like to?
0: I think that I overall, I always do this work. So like it's going to be something ongoing for me outside of this line of work, no matter what. But I would love to bring back a second round of this. Like I had said earlier, if we get more donations or if we like put out a whole new announcement for a second round, I think that we could definitely do it again.
6: Great. So I know a lot of people look up to you for news about the community in Philadelphia, how do you decide what news or what is important enough to be shared?
0: Well, I think about overall who I am as a person, how I came up and what was always important to me as a black person and those resources sometimes that I know weren't always available, right? So sometimes that resource could be, um, some people don't even know that you can apply for like public assistance via your phone now, right? So that's one thing that I could do. Something like maybe even some homeowners classes something that can help people like learn how to buy a home. I could raise that. Or it could be a community fridge because I know growing up, everybody around me didn't always have, right? So honestly, anything that's going to improve people's quality of living and quality of life and help advance them, I'm going to post it.
1: What made you want to start your own podcast? And just for the listeners, kind of give like a synopsis of what you talk about on it.
0: Well, the girls room, It's a podcast that I started with my sibling in about 2018. So I was doing the girls room way before I was ever even doing freedom drawing or even info hub work or anything of the sort. I was still in college when I started the girls room. Um, And one of the things that I think I really wanted to do it for was because a lot of people always told me I had a personality for media and for radio, for video and things of that nature. And that I had a lot to say and that a lot of people could resonate with what I said. And then plus, I'm Black, fat, and non-binary, and so is my sibling who I hosted with, Erica. And so we have a very unique perspective on the world in any situation, essentially. So we just like to share that perspective with people. And honestly, it's more of a bonding time for me and my sibling, especially now since they have a child. So any chunk of time that I can hang with them, it's honestly more fun than it is work and more than a project.
6: Coming back to the community-based things, do you have anything else that you are coming up with?
0: Well, yes. Technically in a few weeks, I plan on launching the full on Freedom Join blog, which is essentially just, I guess you can say it's a solutions journalism project in itself, but it's looking to essentially do what the Freedom Join page does, but on a more me level and what I'm interested in. So going around and highlighting those unsung heroes and, you know, those things, places and people who make Philadelphia or Black Philadelphia the thriving force that it is and highlighting that overall cultural resistance that we've built. And yeah, so I just want to get those stories on the ground and, you know, make them public for people to see.
6: Well, the Freedom John blog, will that have any other contributors to it or will it just be you?
0: So in the beginning, it will just be me. However, I'm hoping that people will contribute fiscally to the project as I grow. I don't wanna just ask for too many donations right off the bat, and I'm not necessarily able to like organize contributors, but there are some people who I'm who I'm more than willing, I mean, who I know are more than willing to contribute and would want to contribute, like possibly my sibling and other people in my close circle, who I would be more than willing to let them contribute because I know they'll do it without payment. <laughs> and I don't want most people to do it if they're not getting paid. That's very important.
1: Good luck with that. And when will that be launching?
0: I'm hoping by the end of this month. So by the end of September or sometime in October.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much, Rashid, for coming on our show. We appreciate all that you do with your dedication, hard work,
6: and how much you have made a change to Philadelphia.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And I hope to be back soon.
6: Thank you, everyone, for listening to our podcast. I'm Serena Mam.
1: And I'm Mary Sucrow.
6: Please stay tuned for our next episode.
4: Renny Molinar and Rocio Caballo have run Germantown's Imperfect Gallery for nine years. The couple has been together for 31 years. The pair shut the gallery down due to the COVID-19 pandemic for a year and a half, and we spoke with the couple as they prepared for the gallery's
7: reopening. I'm Rocio Cabello. I am a visual artist, originally from Peru. I came in 1978. (laughs) I was 15. I arrived in New York, and I stayed there until 2002 when I moved to Philly. I'm a visual artist, but I've been collaborating with Rennie pretty much ever since we met. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um, he'll tell you his half, but we met in the Bronx in 1989 uh, while he was running his first gallery. and. Um, well, that's, that's what started it all. And it's been, we've been together 31 years in different boroughs of New York. And eventually we moved here and we started doing the same thing that we did in New York. <laughs> right.
8: We met in the Bronx. I had my first gallery there and my other art related ventures. And here we are in Philly.
1: What were like your core inspirations for opening the gallery?
8: The importance of having an, an alternative art space where the artists who have voices who are not necessarily accommodated in the commercial world or in the institutional world, I, I thought it was really important that they had a forum that we have provided a forum. a forum. So that's been our our approach to gallery since you know since it since the eighties in my case. Um, And it's been a political medium. It's it's always been a question of how do you provide a space without censorship so that artists can speak their passion. Express themselves. And sometimes it's political. Sometimes it's more complicated than that. Um, And it's important to be able to have that without all the frills or the the fanciness or, or the need for sales. We don't. Because we are not-for-profit, we are always begging for money. Um, <laughs> and that allows artists to have the freedom to do the things that you couldn't do otherwise. Because if I was dependent on, on making you know, $7,000 a sale a month, um, we would only be showing certain types of art. And that's not why we exist.
7: It was a void that we could fill. And not just for us, but then we knew that there were artists around. It's just everybody goes downtown to show or to look at other people's to art, to hang out, to drink, to for everything. Everybody goes downtown, and we really <laughs> nope. wanted to, to change that. You mentioned you were running everything during COVID. Nadia and I were
6: kind of wondering how that happened. Like, how did you operate? What kind of things changed?
8: Let me clear that. We weren't running things like oh. normal at all.
7: At all. So right.
8: we, we shut down, but mm-hmm. we had to close down for a year and a half, but... We have a, a window, we've been, using, we've been using the window, we've been using the fence across the street um, that the school allows us to use. So we, we've been, we created prisms. There were these three-sided columns that had um, different artists. So we, we had different ways of um, bringing the art to the streets. We, were, we didn't do the online thing, that, didn't, that wasn't exciting for me. And with
1: was- your grand reopening happening, what changes have you guys made to your studio?
8: Pretty much none. I mean, in terms of changes, we um, we have new lighting, so the place is bright.
7: Uh, every year since we opened, we start the season, which is September, we started with the Germantown show. Artists from everywhere, anywhere, can participate with one piece each. And last year we broke our record and we passed 100 artists that showed up for the sign up. Looking forward, after you've been through such a hard year,
1: I assume you guys have a lot of plans for what's gonna happen, right?
8: There's so many things, so many options, so many possibilities, so we have to do it. And we have to, the minute you start programming it's exciting. There's so many amazing artists, so many, I'm like a little kid when this artists don't stop amazing me. And you, you, there's always six people who are so excited about their work, you just wanna make sure they get a show.
7: We are planning ahead and at the same time we have learned this year how to be nimble, which is not always easy for me, (laughs) but we've had to change our plans so many times this year and a half that it's kind of you're you almost get a little traumatized (laughs) about planning too ahead because you don't know if you're that's gonna be, you know, if we're gonna we're gonna have to change in a couple of months direction so yeah just... I, stopped,
8: I stopped curating i stopped telling artists <laughs> yeah just everything is on hold forget about it <laughs> mm-hmm,
7: mm-hmm. because it was so hard to to really plan ahead so we're just we're really optimistic that we're gonna this is gonna keep going and well
8: we're excited, we are excited. we're excited yeah so but otherwise i think everybody's ready People are ready. People are excited to see some work and to, to see people, human beings.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, of course. <laughs> and as we're wrapping up, is there something like very important that someone coming into your gallery will learn or that will make them want to come back again?
8: I think the warmth and spirit that we try to generate is really intentional it's really important um, and anyone who has had the experience of going to a gallery before which are cold and sterile usually even when the artist and intimidating
7: the, so even they, if it they, can be intimidating for a lot of people
8: it disregarding the quality or, or 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 the the temperature of the artwork the spaces because of whatever reason leads people to operate in that way they tend to be cold and so we like the funkier warmer um spaces um, and I think we're still too gallery like I, I would like to get even funkier um, by that I mean you know not not having the clean pristine walls and having art that's so different from each other The uh, the Germantown show is beautiful in the sense that it's a non-curated Non judge, non jury. There's always no a surprise. Rules.
7: It's every year's a surprise.
8: So you bring your work in, and that as long as you fit the criterion, um, you're in. So my, we don't judge it. My judge is sort of doing the dance of who's who's conversing with each other, which pieces, and how you hang a show. Really, excuse me. Really determines how. The pieces bounce off each other. This is a visual experience. So, as a viewer, you're standing in front of many pieces, and how they, how they, Speak how, to how you other. consume them, how, you, um, how you go from one to another, um, defines your experience. And it's important that the experience in our space is about, is art centric, but it's very humane. It's very much about a people experience. So it's nice. It's kind of a relaxed feeling, and, and it's nice to see that.
7: I think it puts people at ease and. yeah that's what I that's what I hear people say to me, you know, this is so nice I, this is not intimidating at all i've always been afraid of walking into galleries this doesn't feel like one of those.
3: That was Rennie and Rocio, owners of the Imperfect Art Gallery in Germantown. Their ninth annual reopening show is available for the public until October 16th. More information available on their website, www.imperfectgallery.squarespace.com.
0: Again, that was a collection of stories done by Temple students on Germantown residents. We thank them for their interest in our neighbors, and we thank Andrea Wenzel, their professor, for aiding them in this project. This project was fascinating because, as a native and reporter to this neighborhood, it's always interesting to see how others cover Germantown. I appreciate the effort and the thought put into the work of these students, so if you are listening, thank you. Well, Germantown, it's about that time. If you have a story you want to hear covered, please get in touch with us at gtown.infohub at gmail.com or text infohub to 73224 to start asking us questions. We are always looking for community leads and tips that will help keep our people informed and empowered. We also encourage our neighbors to follow us on Facebook at Germantown Info Hub, Instagram at Gtown underscore Info Hub, and on Twitter at Germantown Hub. And that is our show. I am Rashida Jamu, AKA Philly's Freedom John. This has been the Info Hub Radio Hour. Thank you to the students for their reporting and thank you to our neighbors for listening and engaging as always until next week. Good night, Germantown and be well and spread some joy.